0: chapter forty seven of delorme by g p r james this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter forty seven early next morning a firing was heard in the direction of Torcy, and springing on my horse i galloped off for the scene of action as fast as possible before i came up however the firing had ceased and i found my troop under arms in the hamlet where i had left them though the village itself not above five hundred yards in front was in the hands of the enemy a regiment of infantry which monsieur de bouillon had thrown forward into the village of torcy itself for the purpose of covering his bridge of boats had been attacked it seemed by the advance guard of the enemy and after a sharp struggle had been driven back upon the hamlet behind from which garcias had made a very brilliant charge upon the pursuing parties of the enemy repulsed them with some loss and compelled them to content themselves with the village they had taken as may be imagined i was mortified at not having been present but i expressed to my troop my high satisfaction at what had been done and told them in a brief harangue i made them on the occasion that his highness the count de soissons reckoned greatly upon their valour for success and that therefore he proposed to entrust to them under my command some of the most important manoeuvres which had already been determined upon praise was perhaps the more palatable to them as their bravery had been attended with no loss and as they had driven back the enemy at the expense of a few slight wounds loud cheers therefore attended me as i rode with garcias along their ranks and these were repeated still more loudly when the commanding officer of the infantry rode up to garcias and thanked him for the very successful diversion which my troop had operated in his favour finding that the enemy did not make any disposition for advancing farther which would indeed have brought them almost under the guns of sedan i rode into the town to inform the count of what had occurred and after a brief interview with him i delivered the letter for my father into the hands of little achilles and taking with me all my papers i bade adieu to my little attendant with feelings that perhaps do not often exist between master and servant and returned to my troop for the night before joining them however according to the commands of the count i reconnoitred the position i was to take up in the morning and passed by the pillar from which the signal was to be given it had formed part of an old roman arch And probably had recorded some victory of those wonderful barbarians, the Romans, over their still more barbarous enemies, the Gauls. But as I looked at the broken fragments of the structure they had probably raised, in the fond hope of immortalizing some long-forgotten deed, the thrilling feeling of man's mortality, of the mortality of all his works, the mortality of his very fame, came coldly over my heart, and I turned away repeating to myself some of the lines which my dead friend father francis of allourdi had once cited glory alas what art thou but a name and returned to the post assigned me thinking of what might be in another world towards six o'clock a heavy rain began to fall but that did not prevent me from having several messengers from the count de soissons one bidding me make good the hamlet which i occupied at all risks another informing me that lamboy with the germans and the cannon had arrived and would pass the next morning early and the third giving me orders to quit the hamlet as silently as possible before daybreak the next day and to take up the position assigned to me this last command made me order my men to rest as soon as possible and I also threw myself down upon some straw, completely armed except my cask, and after giving about half an hour to some vague wandering thoughts regarding the morrow, I felt that thought was of no use, and addressed myself to sleep. The fear, however, of not waking in time, abridged my slumber to two or three hours, and rising, I went out of the hovel in which I had been lying, to ascertain by the appearance of the sky what o'clock it was all was dark and silent though i could hear at intervals the neighing of the horses in the enemy's army and could see the long line of dim watch-fires half extinguished by the rain which marked where the veteran lamboy had taken up his ground on the opposite hill shortly after the clocks of sedan struck midnight and i resolved to give my men yet an hour's sleep that they might be as fresh as possible the next day It was an hour of the deepest and most awful thought for me. Everyone must feel the day before he risks his life in mortal combat, sensations that assail him at no other time, the eager anxiety to know the issue, the doubt, if not the fear, of the event, the thought of earth and all that earth has dear, the calculations of eternity, all that is awful in our vague and misty state of being. Then presses on the mind and he is the brave man that looks upon it without shrinking. But my feelings were deeper and more exciting than those of most men, because my all was staked upon that battle. If it should be won, the Count de Soissons would be master of the councils of France. The only remaining obstacle between Helen and myself might easily be removed. Rank, wealth, power, affection were all within my grasp and never did my heart feel what love is so much as it did that night but if the battle were lost i had no longer anything to live for home and country and station and love and hope were all gone and i resolved that life also should be cast upon the die it seemed but a minute since twelve o'clock had struck when one followed it by the clocks of sedan so busy had been the ideas that hurried through my brain but action now became my duty and waking garcias we proceeded to take the necessary measures for decamping in silence no men in the broad universe could have been found better calculated for every motion which required secrecy than my three hundred they provided themselves with forage and provisions for the next morning Mounted their horses and rode out of the hamlet without even disturbing the regiment of infantry that lay beside them. And the only person, I believe, whom we woke out of his slumber was a weary sentinel who, without the excuse of Mercury's wand, had followed the example of Argus and fallen asleep upon his watch. Woke suddenly by our passing, he seemed to think the best thing he could do was to fire his piece, and accordingly snapped it at my head. But luckily, The priming had fallen out while he slept, and it missed fire. I seldom remember a more unpleasant ride than that from Torcy to the heights of the Marfay. The rain had come on more heavily than ever. The whole way was a long, broken ascent traversed by ravines, and often interrupted by copses, and the ground was so slippery that our horses could scarcely keep their feet. We passed it, however, after much difficulty— and there was some consolation in knowing that the enemy's army would have to vanquish the same obstacles before the battle if they dared to attack us day began to break heavily as we reached the wood without any sign of the rain abating but the smaller detached part of the forest behind which we were posted formed almost entirely of old beeches gave us better shelter than we could have hoped on our arrival i found that the count according to his word had already detached a company of musketeers to take possession of the copse-wood between us and his main position and had also sent forward several tumbrils with provisions and ammunition in plenty together with these was a letter for me containing some farther orders and a very ample commission under his hand by which i found that the infantry beside me were also placed under my command as we were all new troops there was no jealousy respecting seniority of service and i found the officer of the infantry well disposed to act with me especially as all i required was for his own security it appeared to me that the copse in which he was placed was of much more importance than had been attached to it as in case of the enemy possessing himself thereof which would have been easily done by advancing through a hollow way to our left the left flank of the prince's force was completely exposed to render it then as defensible as possible i proposed to the other officer to employ our spare time in throwing up a strong breastwork of earth and boughs before it and all our men setting to work with great eagerness before seven o'clock we had completed a line which placed it in comparative security towards eight the rain ceased and for the rest of the day merely came down in occasional showers it had been hitherto so thick that the line of the Meuse, and even the town of sedan had been scarcely distinguishable but now it drew up like a curtain and i could see the troops of lamboy descending towards the bridge of boats and gradually passing the river in a fine unbroken order as if on a review shortly after the bridge of sidan began to be occupied and pennons and plumes and standards and flashing arms and all the pageantry of war announced that the princes were on their march to form the junction with the imperial army my eye then turned anxiously towards torsi but all was still in the camp of the enemy and i saw the two allied armies approach near and more near and then unite, unopposed and seemingly almost unnoticed. Winding in and out of the ravines and over the hills, the army of the princes now began to mount towards the heights on which I was stationed, and it was near nine o'clock before the report of a cannon announced that the Maréchal de Chatillon intended to take any notice of their movements. No time, however, was now to be lost, and making my men refresh both themselves and their horses i waited impatiently for the arrival of the army all sombre thoughts if i had entertained any such before now vanished like mists before the sun the sight of the moving hosts the recollection of all that was that day to be won the thoughtless aspiration which all young minds have for glory the love of daring natural to my character all stimulated me on the onward path and slow slow did i think the approach of the forces as winding their way over the wet and slippy ground they advanced towards the position which they proposed to take up for some time as they came nearer i lost sight of them in the hollow way but a little after ten the advance guard began to appear upon the heights and took their ground with the left resting upon the copse regiment after regiment now presented itself and i could see them one following another across the underwood defiled to the places assigned to them but lost them one by one in a few minutes after behind the wood of the marfe the sounds of the trumpets however the loud commands of the officers the crashing and creaking of the ammunition carts all assured me of their proximity and in a few minutes after one of the prince's equerries rode up to ascertain that i had arrived and to tell me that no alterations had been made in the dispositions of the day before i pointed out to him the work we had constructed and in a short time afterwards he returned by the prince's express command to thank me and inform me of his high approbation of what had been done while we were still speaking the enemy began to appear on the opposite slope and in a moment afterwards a discharge of artillery from beneath the hill gave notice that the battle was commenced upon our right, where the infantry of Lamboy were still making their way up to the heights. The sound of the cannon, so much nearer to me than I expected, I will own, made me start, but springing at once into my saddle, lest any one should see fear in what in truth was but surprise, I rode round alone to a spot where, through the trees, I could see what was passing in the hollow the smoke of the cannon greatly impeded my sight but i could perceive a body of the enemy's pikemen in the act of charging the german infantry who were borne back before my eyes near two hundred yards but still maintained their order every step that they yielded my heart beat to be there and lead them back to the charge but then again i thought that if i might be permitted to charge the flank of the pikemen with my men-at-arms i could drive them all to the devil at that moment my eye fell upon a group of officers gathered upon a little knoll in the front of whom was evidently the count de soissons dressed in a suit of steel armour i had seen in his apartments and accompanied by an elderly man in german uniform whom i concluded to be lamboy the count was pointing with his leading staff to the retreating infantry of his left wing while the other seemed to look upon the whole with the utmost composure in a moment after an equerry set off from the count's party and a company of our musketeers instantly wheeled upon the flank of the pikemen and drove them back under a tremendous fire while the germans again advanced and took up their positions as before the smoke of the musketry now interrupted my view in that direction and turning round i found that i had insensibly advanced so far as to be out of sight of the pillar from whence the signal was to be displayed riding back as fast as i could i rejoined my troop but no signal had yet been made and as i looked up towards the hill where i expected every moment to behold it displayed all was clear calm and quiet offering a strange contrast to the eager and deathful struggle upon which i had just been gazing "'We shall not be long now, Garcias,' said I, riding up. "'Is all ready?' He assured me that it was, and passing along from man to man I spoke a few words to each, telling them that the infantry had already repulsed the enemy, and that we might soon expect to be called upon, saying everything I could think of to animate them to exertion, and beseeching them not to let the love of plunder induce them to separate before the battle was completely gained they all made me the most solemn promises in the world not to lose their discipline to which of course i attached due credence believing it to be just as probable for a tiger to abandon bloodshed as for them to resist plunder even for a moment a vigorous and effective charge however i knew to be the great object desired and i doubted not from their whole tone and bearing that they would effect it as well as i could desire in the meanwhile the din increased we could every now and then hear the dull measured sound of the charging horse mingled with the continued firing of the musketry and at intervals a discharge of cannon while the smoke rolling over the wood reached even the spot where we stood and made me fearful lest i should lose sight of the signal pillar every minute i thought the sign must be made and no language can express the impatience i began to feel "'as the minutes flew by, and it did not appear. "'The firing appeared to me to grow less, "'and I felt angry that the battle should be lost or won without my presence. "'No longer able to bear it, I rode on about twenty yards to the corner of the wood. "'The whole scene was covered with white wreaths of smoke, "'but the greater part of the attacking army was now displayed upon the same plain with ourselves, "'and I could see that the battle was far from concluded.' though the attack of the enemy upon our position was languishing and his troops considerably broken and disordered small parties of horsemen separated from their regiments were scattered confusedly over the plain groups of men on foot carrying the more distinguished wounded to the rear appeared here and there through the smoke aides-de-camp riding from spot to spot and officers endeavouring by bustle and activity to reanimate the flagging energies of their soldiers were seen hurrying about in all parts of the enemy's line and i looked upon the whole scene as i have often done upon a disturbed ant-hill where i have seen confusion and hurry in every member of the insect populace without being able to divine their operations or understand their movements column after column as i stood and watched was brought up against our battalions but each after a discharge of musketry turned off as from a stone wall not three hundred yards from me was a dense mass of cavalry and i could see its officers endeavouring to animate their men to the charge at that moment i looked back the red flag was displayed from the pillar and spurring back to the head of my troop i led them out from the wood their impatience had been nearly equal to my own and as the whole field of battle opened before them with all the thrilling and exciting objects it presented they gave a loud and cheering hurrah which seemed to be answered by a flourish of trumpets at the very same moment from the cavalry of the duke of bouillon that just appeared above the hill about a quarter of a mile from us the flourish and the shout acted as a signal of concert the moment sufficed to put my troop in order and pointing onward to the enemy with my sword, while my heart beat so as almost to deprive me of breath, I gave the word, Charge! Onward we galloped like lightning, treading, I believe, on many of the dead and dying in our passage. The ground seemed to vanish under our horses' feet. The open space was passed in an instant. Nearer and nearer and nearer as we came each individual adversary grew into distinctness on our eyes we passed the flat like a cloud shadow sweeping the plain we reached the brow of the descent and hurled down the side of the slope upon the flank of the enemy like an avalanche upon a forest of pines we bore them headlong before us charged at the same moment by the duke of bouillon in front and surprised by our headlong onset from so unexpected a quarter the enemy's cavalry were borne back upon their infantry, their arms, and fled. Many of the cavalry turned their reins and galloped from the field, and though some fought still hand to hand, it was with but the courage of despair, for the army of Chatillon was by that one charge thrown into complete rout. One officer in full armour seemed to single me out, and not willing to disappoint him, I turned my horse towards him parrying a blow he was making at my neck just above the gorget, I returned it with a full sweep of my long heavy sword. It cut sheer through the lacings of his casque, which, another blow, dashed from his head, when the face of a young man presented itself, whom I immediately remembered as the somewhat hasty youth I had seen with Monsieur de Chatillon in Paris. Will you quarter? said I. Never! replied he aiming another blow at my head but at that moment combelet de carignan who was behind me fired a pistol at him the ball of which passed right through his head he sprang up in the saddle his sword fell from his hand and his horse freed from the rein, galloped away wildly over the field i had no time to see farther what became of him though when i lost sight of him in the confusion The horse was still rushing on, and the rider, though dead, I feel sure, still in the saddle. But by this time, although all had passed like lightning, my troopers were far before me, and notwithstanding the endeavours of Garcias to keep them together, were separating and pursuing the fliers one by one. I hurried forward to unite my efforts to those of the brave Spaniard, but just as I came up, a small peloton of the enemy's infantry that had kept together near some valuable baggage gave us one parting volley before they fled and to my deep regret i beheld garcias fall headlong from his horse springing to the ground i raised his head on my knees and saw that the bullet had gone through his corslet just above the lower rim maria cried he opening his eyes from which the light of life was fleeting fast Jesus, Maria! I am afraid you are badly hurt, Garcias, cried I, more painfully affected by his situation than I could have imagined. I am dying, Senor, muttered he in Spanish. I am dying. Thank you for your care, your kindness. It is vain. I am dying. Oh, Senor, Francois Derville, that unhappy man, do you remember how I slew him at the mill? i wish i had not done it i can see him now oh i wish i had not done it santa maria ora pro the heavy cloud of death fell dully down upon the clear bright eye fire and soul and meaning passed away and garcias was nothing i bade my servants who were still with me carry him to the rear and springing on my horse again galloped forward to see if i could restore some order to my troop by this time however all was confusion the field was scattered with small parties of horsemen riding here and there and cutting down or making prisoners the few of the enemy that remained nothing was to be seen but heaps of dead and dying masterless horses flying over the plain cannon and waggons overturned long files of prisoners and groups of stragglers plundering the fallen while part of the village of chaumont appeared burning on our right and towards the left was distinguished a regiment of the enemy who had still maintained their order and were retreating over the opposite hill fast but firmly the rear rank was seen to face about every twenty or thirty yards and by a heavy regular fire drive back a strong body of cavalry that hung upon their retreat gathering together about twenty of my men i rode as fast as i could to the spot and arrived just at the moment the enemy faced and gave us a volley if i may use the expression it made our cavalry reel and more than one empty saddle presented itself but what engaged my attention was to behold in the officer commanding this last regiment of the enemy the chevalier de montenero as i was gazing at him to assure myself that my eyes did not deceive me the duke of bouillon rode up and demanded where were the greater part of my men in a tone that did not particularly please me they are where the greater part of your own are my lord replied i some dead some plundering some following the enemy if that be the case rejoined he sharply you had better go and join them yourself for monsieur de l'orme and half a dozen men are no service to me you speak rudely monsieur de bouillon replied i and methinks on a day of such victory as this you might conduct yourself differently to one who has shared in the dangers of the struggle whether he shares in its advantages or not the duke's visor was up and he coloured highly but without waiting for reply i turned my rein and rode away my men who had only followed me in the hope of more fighting, seeing me leave the spot where it was going on, turned to the trade they liked next in degree, and separated to plunder as before. Without caring how much they employed themselves for the moment, I rode back towards the spot where I had before seen the Count de Soissons, and pushing my horse up the hill, I saw him still posted on a little eminence, with a group of his officers and attendants at the distance of about a hundred yards behind him. "'he seeming to enjoy the sight of the field he had won, "'and the others apparently discussing with some animation "'the effects that had lately passed. "'Silence had now comparatively resumed her reign, "'for though a straggling fire might be heard from time to time, "'mingled with distant shouts and cries, "'the roar of the battle itself was over, "'the ground between me and the prince also, "'a space of about a hundred and fifty yards, "'was clear and unoccupied. But being upland, it, of course, delayed my horse's progress. Happy, happy, had I been able to have passed it sooner. Just as I was mounting the rise, a horseman dashed across the top like lightning, reined in his horse a moment before the count. I heard the report of firearms. The horseman galloped on, and I saw the prince falling from his horse. The noise called the attention of those that were near, and when I arrived they had gathered round the count and were untying his cask, but all that presented itself was the cold, blank face of the dead. Above the right eyebrow was the wound of a pistol-ball, which must have gone directly into the brain, and the brow and forehead was scorched and blackened by the fire and smoke of the pistol, so near must have been his murderer thus died louis count de soissons in the moment of triumph and victory triumph turned to mourning victory rendered fruitless by his death chapter forty seven